Mage Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2, no problem. Holidays, flash sales, no problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M A G E M O J O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax technology solutions and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. Hey, welcome to the Mage Talk uh, podcast. Uh, I'm Kalen, and we're joined today by uh, Rick Willett. Rick, how you doing, brother? Doing well. How you doing? Doing great. And uh, Philip is uh, out traveling this week. He's uh, between, I believe, he's at the uh, hairstyling convention. <laughs> he probably stopped by hairstyling convention, but uh, he's at the, I think he's at the Clavio uh, conference. I've been seeing some uh, some tweets and whatnot, so he looks like he's uh, having a good time out there, but. Uh, so, so Rick, um, you know, we had been, um, communicating back and forth and, and you, uh, you showed me the, um, uh, some stuff you've done in Japan and like a documentary that you worked on out there and just completely selfishly, like I, I just have this interest in Japan. Uh, and also, you know, there's a lot of action in, the Magento, there's a lot of interest in Asia in the Magento ecosystem right now. Um, and so I think there's some real, that's, I think there's a lot to talk about there that you, you've been out to Japan a number of times and had some thoughts on the Magento community, the ecosystem out there. So that I thought that'd be cool to talk about. So totally. those are some of the things we'll, we'll dive into. And, uh, and so it should be fun. Awesome. But, uh, but so, so to get started, uh, maybe just, uh, give a little, like a little bit of your background, uh, just in general and, you know, what you've been doing in the Magento world and all that kind of stuff. Um, the short version, I mean, I started doing development. Everybody, you know, likes to tell their TI-99 story, so I'll skip that part. But, um, I started, you know, developing, uh, professionally with Cold TI-99, Fusion. TI-99, is that the ca- calculator? No, that's the, <laughs> the, uh, Texas Instruments, um, you know, little computer that would record to, uh, record your, your save, do all your saving to audio tape, that kind of thing with the screechy noise. And, you know, it was my first, <laughs> my first computer, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like early yeah. 80s. You know, it was yeah, kind of a I, Commodore 64 competitor, I think, or in that in that realm. I'm not sure where oh, they landed. Okay, gotcha. All yeah, I did when really I was, was like go-to loops, you know, and I thought okay. that was fascinating. And then I made a phone book, and so, but um, yeah, that was that was that was earlier right. than I'm talking about now. But at the same <laughs> time, the early, early days. slightly later in my story, um, you know, I I was uh, I found myself sort of you know um, in the earlier days of the internet just doing different work with static websites. I uh, got bored with that pretty quickly. That led me to Cold Fusion and really loved, um, you know, starting to build some early web apps and that kind of thing. But I also, I grew up, um, you know, studying dance and drumming. Uh, my father's a drummer, musical director, um, and I always grew up around the stage, that kind of thing. So, you know, uh, four or five years into my um you know, kind of development career, I had an opportunity to go do the show Stomp, which was really the only show that I was interested in doing at that point. So it was kind of a, okay, I'll type later type deal. Um, mm. And I took off and did that for uh, about 10 years. Um, and then... Oh, that's cool, man. 
Yeah, it was, it was, oh, it's awesome. I uh, knock on what I, you know, that early dancing uh, stuff kind of got my body ready for the abuse that Stomp is. So I was able to have a pretty long career there. Um, so Stomp is like, is like one of these things where like, I'm just pulling it up. I'm not too familiar, but it's like one of these performances where you're like, just like playing on drums and, and hitting your feet on the ground and that kind of thing. And it's like a, yeah, it's like they're, a free form. Yeah, that's a, it's a show from England. And I mean, stomp.co.uk, I think is their UK website. I'm actually te- checking myself. Uh, yeah, stomp.co.uk is the, that's the original company. And it's, you know, these guys who were buskers, they were street performers, um, like you see nice. in London at like maybe Covent Garden or whatever the case is. Yeah. And one of them, uh, both very musical guys, Luke and Steve, but one of them uh, really was kind of a drumming specialist. And they, um, you know, he, he had a need to like, you can't carry around a drum set, you know? So he would start, you know, I think he kind of started playing the world around him, which, you know, is the, the first nugget of leading into what Stomp became. And then that's, that's kind of, awesome. uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it, the concept. I mean, when I saw it, I was just shocked. And then when I saw it first, um, I actually made the mistake of auditioning for it initially having never seen the show, you know, aside from on TV, which is, <laughs> I don't recommend that kids. So in any event, after not getting the show, I, I decided to hang out on the East coast and, um, you know, I'd not been to the state of New York before, really, which is sort of a, a, a fun time. And uh-huh. um, I had some family in Connecticut and, you know, eventually made it down to see the show. And it was just mind blowing because, I mean, it's all these people that were, uh, you know, doing this entire track with just their hands and their feet. Yeah. I mean, there's no no backing music in the whole show. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is my next gig. And then I went back next year and the next audition and actually got the job. So it was um and then awesome you did that. that for 10 years for like full time. That was your, that was your deal. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Um, I had some breaks and stuff like that, but, That's uh, cool. I mean about nine, I have eventually ran into a, a stage that didn't agree with me. And a few surgeries later I was done with, oh, uh, wow. performing and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, at least at that, at that level, 10 you know, years certain- of doing that's gotta be, that's gotta be pretty hard on the body. Do you know it is and it's not? I mean, yeah. there's a healthy way to do it, you know. Okay. I think, like most things, so powerlifting or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, if you just went out there and you know, just threw yourself at it, you probably right. not have a good result, but yeah, right. there's ways to insulate yourself a bit. Yeah, I started, I started, I've started lifting the last couple of months, and uh, so, you know, so I'm doing squats and deadlifts and stuff, and I'm just trying to keep my form, you know relatively okay but you know from what i read and everything like if you're not careful with your your form you can screw yourself up pretty quickly so i'm trying to oh yeah definitely Ar- arnica is your friend arnica is something you want to get your hands on i'll arnica. tell you i'll right, tell you about that another that time right. <laughs> good supplement to the audience. do you know so. you know ben marks uh the the um uh, I do. Yeah, because he was a drummer. The Ben Marks. Who ben Marks, the, uh, the Ben Marks. What do you call Ben Marks? But, the you know, ben the Marks. Ben Marks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, even, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had a chance to meet him. Because he was a professional him. drummer, right? For I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea that he had any sort of drumming, anything at all, you know, and then it was uh, at Imagine, I guess, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somebody mentioned it at one of the intros for him. You know, somehow it came up. And, uh. and um, so I ended up actually meeting him afterwards and that was a good jumping point, uh, jumping off point, you know, for sort of a conversation because I had no idea he was that serious of a rhythm person. That's neat. Um, 
But yeah, I really, I, I need to uh, actually get a hold of him. That guy's such a road warrior. I mean, I came up with a whole, <laughs> he is. I mean, and, and again, I yeah. came up with like, you know, between doing doing the show and then, I mean, especially when you're younger in the show, you're practicing constantly because if not, somebody's going to hand you your butt on stage the next night again. Mm. You know what I mean? So mm. it's a very competitive type thing. But yeah. um, I didn't really touch a drum set much for like about, you know, three, four years. And then when I came back to it, um, I could play things that I was never able to play just because my coordinated independence had gone crazy from, you know, playing with all these weird objects, um, you know, so I could basically tell all four of my limbs to do different things at the same time. And they'd basically just do it even. And that translated to the set, though, that that, that was what was surprising. So that's uh, Ben, call me. That's uh, one of those things where <laughs> nice. it's, it's good because when you're in a hotel room, you know, I mean, like hotel rooms or hotel rooms or hotel rooms, I couldn't I couldn't do any more touring uh, if I needed to. So, yeah. you know, it, it's good to keep some of that, um, some of your personal life going for your sanity. Oh, man. Yeah. Some people are much more comfortable traveling than others, man. And, and they figure out how to make it work and routines and things like that. And then, uh, you know, the rest of us, we just crash every, you know, every time we travel. And uh, um, yeah, I did it for a long time. And I mean, I think it's, it's just that the repetition, you know, like it, yeah. it, the, for the first, I mean, cause you're talking, we would do, you know, months without without breaks and that's sort of mm-hmm. fine. That's where you live. But, um, you know, like your fourth time in a city or something in as many years, you kind of go, okay, yeah. this is just a big loop. Yeah. A big groundhog day. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> so. All right. So I took you off on a little bunny trail there, but <laughs> so, you, okay, hey. so you did the stomp thing for a while and, uh, and then, you know, getting laid up and injured. I mean, I'm, as you can probably tell from my speaking, a fairly high motor person and it mm-hmm. didn't really sit well with me that I had gone from like, you know, doing, you know, whatever, seven shows a week and having a life in New York to all of a sudden being like laid up in my, you know, in my apartment, oh, and, yeah. you know, it's be not tough. much happening. So, and it's not, you know, New York's cool, but it's not like you can just start like playing your drums in, in the apartment, <laughs> you know, yeah. so um, fourth floor walk up, I didn't want to move around much. And so into the day I was like, I got to, you know, let me figure something out. And I decided to dust off some code that I had written, which I could not believe I'd written it because, you know, it had just completely left my head uh, in the interim. But, um, you know, slowly I, I started, uh, not slowly. I mean, I pretty much jumped in with both feet into some like action script immediately because with the visual feedback, I was off to the races. And so, uh, got pretty good at flash and then, uh, Steve jobs killed it like that day. You know? So <laughs> <laughs> that was good timing on my part, um, yeah. you know, but, uh, but it was great because as, you know, as I got back into it, that part of my brain sort of came back to life. And then I did remember my old code, you know, so it was, uh, it was a good time. And that sort of led me to doing, you know, sites as we all do, somebody, uh, you know, needed a, an e-commerce solution that that was the first time I'd, uh, had to really look for anything that was, you know, more comprehensive than a shopping cart plugin or something like that. And, uh, I discovered Magento basically because it was open source and, uh, this particular person wasn't hundred percent sure they wanted to get into e-commerce. So obviously that is, uh, is pretty awesome when you've got something, I mean, at that time it wasn't so well done. It was like 2012, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't like people were, really aware of the power. What version was it? What, if you remember the dot version at that time? Oh, I think one point or what was that? Uh, One, seven, six, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I got in at, I got in at six, which was, is that 2012 ish? Uh, yes. I want to say yes ish. I couldn't like watch them like way off by several years. I would not be <laughs> well, it I was kind of a blur yeah. to be honest. I mean, then all of a sudden we were off to the upgrades for me. So I was, uh, I was lucky to be treading water cause you know, again, I had no idea of the, of really the power of the platform yeah. and 
uh, it was, I bit off, you know, a lot more than I probably should have on my first Magento project, but it was awesome because it was, yeah, right. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're like, hello, Mr. EAV, you know, how's it going? (laughs) Whatever language you speak, you know, uh, but in any event, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I did it kind of the hard way. I'm a totally self-taught guy. I mean, my favorite programmers are, um, you know, and, and uh, just, yeah, sort of beat my head against the wall with the thing. And then I don't know why, if I'm a glutton for punishment, you know, or, <laughs> but, but I really just, you know, at some point the switch flipped and, and it really, Magento, I became very passionate about. Uh, I still am. I mean, I just think it's an awesome starting place for so many different, uh, you know, businesses or, you know, just purposes. And the fact that it's open source and again, the community rocks, which I sort of had an idea of from, you know, being, online at the same time, I think just being, you know, coming from the background of performance or whatnot, I have somewhat of a distrust built in of people that are too promoting online, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just like a, a hang up I have. Yeah. So it took me a minute to really, you know, kind of realize that these are like genuine people. I mean, whether it was like yourself or uh, Vinay uh, Cop uh, or like Alan Storm. And I mean, all this content was out there almost so much, you know, that it just seemed like, where's the catch? You know, <laughs> Hang on a minute. You're like this streetwise New York guy that's doing like street performance type stuff. You're like, what's the catch here, guys? Yeah, now you got me sure it's all free. What's happening, buddy? And you're going to help me with this. All righty. You know, so um, yeah, but it turned out to be that way. And I, it's, uh, it's funny because, you know, I have been basically a remote developer, even going back to my very first, you know, like in the nineties work, um, I've been around some offices, that kind of thing. Obviously, you know, my, my, uh, different occupations have not been office based. So it's sort of a, a, a novelty for me in a way, but, uh, you know, you get used to working sort of alone and, and, you know, especially in things that aren't so friendly. I mean, there's not, even if there's supposedly a community, it's not that same sense of like brotherhood, you mm-hmm. know, or, or sisterhood or personhood, whatever we call ourselves. But, um, yeah, you know, so I, I really, um, that was really kind of what sealed the deal for me. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, I could pull off just pretty incredible stuff and I didn't have to program that whole, you know, all the parts of the e-commerce that you don't want to actually have to deal with mm-hmm. personally, <laughs> just put the cherry on top type deal. And, um, you know, it's been off to the races since then. So, and so you've been working remote for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all, all I've done. So my home office is probably a little over, uh, you know, tweaked out, um, but it's, uh, it, it works for me. So. Nice, man. So going on like seven years of, of doing the remote thing. Yep. That's yeah. cool. And that's been from, you know, for, uh, with some, some, some agency stuff. I also have done a lot of, um, kind of, consulting on my own yeah. just because with some of the early agency stuff, I don't think, I think at that time Magento was exploding and I'm sure people, you know, listening might uh, be able to sort of sympathize with like, you know, it was exploding. There's a lot of money. People were trying to grow teams and I think they were trying to sort of get people in the door, hoping they could sell the sites that would justify, you know, the wages and that right. just wasn't happening. So I got sick of some people going, yeah, it's like they have six months of runway, but they're trying to hire me on a salary as opposed to paying an hour thing. You know how this goes. Yeah. So then it's I was really like, all right, I'll just, do the, yeah, yeah. I'll just do the consulting thing. And, you know, that was obviously good and all that. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, the, the market, I think, is as matured enough now to where, um, you know, also myself in, in the development world, I, I can, you know, sort of my, my, uh, my BS detector has gotten a bit more attuned. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, now I'm actually starting a new gig, uh, next week, which is going to be fun. Um, I'm going to be at the Bourne group 
and I am pretty excited about that. So nice, that's kind man. of back to a, yeah, back to a company, but much bigger and, uh, you know, same type of stuff. I mean, mainly enterprise type of deal. I love shoving data around in the back end. I don't know why, why that's my passion, but it is, you know, so. Nice. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. going on about, I think about seven years, uh, working remote as well. And, uh, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's great and I'm a big fan of a remote work in general and everything, but it's, uh, you know, it, it has its pros and cons. Like you said, it can be pretty isolating a lot of the time and, and you got to find ways to connect with other people and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. yeah well, and that's hard. And I mean, I had the, one of my previous clients was, you know, like San Francisco, one was a different area of Colorado. Uh, and, you know, when you pop into the office and get that energy of like what's happening, you know, live, it kind of wants you to, I mean, it makes you want to, you know, be a part of that, which in a way I like. at the same time, you know, I am not relocating. That's just not going to happen for me. So, um, that's not an option. And, in my hours, like my dev hours, I really found, and this kind of goes back into the working alone thing. Um, you know, the most important thing for me is to dev when the time is right. You know, I mean, like when my brain is, is, is ready to go. And, um, for me, I think, I swear it's just a, a legacy thing from, you know, being in the entertainment industry, like eight o'clock at night happens. That's when my energy is programmed to peak, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, really. I mean, it's like, a, I don't know, it's a physical thing. I just, uh, it's, you know, you do it long enough because that's, you know, before that was like go time, you know, right, so until then right. you're just killing time and, you know, eating food that, that you're only eating because you need to have explosive energy at 8 p.m. <laughs> right. You know, so, um, so it's, I, 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 I have found different routines that have kind of, you know, worked for me to kind of, you know, maybe work off some energy early and then start deving or whatever. But, um, when I was this last trip when I was in Japan, which I was kind of alluding to earlier, um, I was in Japan and it was just a blast. I don't know if it was just because it was a different place. I mean, obviously very different. And I hadn't really been there kind of, uh, doing the working, you know, uh, doing the, doing the development thing. I've generally taken time off to go over there, but, uh, this time, you know, I, I had, I was right in the middle of a project and, uh, kind of set up an office in, uh, my wife's parents' apartment uh, there. And, and actually what I, you know, it's sort of a smaller space. I, I just got like, you know, again, you get sort of sick of looking at the same wall and I just grabbed the laptop and headed out to the coffee shops. And, mm. uh, that's something I never do here. You know, I don't know if it's because I, there, my Japanese isn't, is, you know, marginal. So I can kind of tune out anything anybody's saying mm. and it's just mm. very focusing. But also I, it's something about like existing in a culture with the, you know, the different language really kind of wakes my brain up. I'm like ready to go, you know, because you're sort of, you're thinking a bit more just to, just to go, you know, pick up lunch. So yeah, it was, it was a good time, but it's hard to So what was like, what was your, what was the, your connection to Japan and kind of the reason for, for going out there? Well, uh, now my wife is from Japan, so that's, um, that's the, the biggie obviously, but um, my first, my first uh, time out of the country ever was like Danny and not Canada or Mexico was Japan. And I, um, lived there for a year when I was like 21 to 22 working as a drummer oh, okay. uh, at a hotel there. So, so was that before the stomp thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was like five years before stomp. And that was like right before I, when I came back from there, I went into the development stuff, basically the, uh, first round of development, uh, work. Okay. So, but yeah, I was there for a year and I mean, I, 
you know, I made friends and I just made really, really great friends. And, you know, it's always been a priority for me to get back there. I think the next time I was back was like 2003. Um, so it was a bit of a gap and it was just awesome to walk into, you know, the places I used to hang out, and see the same people and pick up where we left off. And, you know, obviously like leaving there in 95, it wasn't, you know, email wasn't the first word off everyone's mouth. So All staying right. in touch wasn't quite the same as it is now. Um, and yeah, you don't have to get the, t- the like your Broncos game sent over on VHS tape anymore, you know? So, <laughs> so that's a nice one. Um, but yeah, it's since then, I mean, I've got that history and I mean, these are like, seriously, there's a guy there that, uh, unfortunately he passed away, but I mean, this dude like saved my life literally. And even when you have that bond really? with somebody, you know, you're, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the... I was on a where, Trump were you, in, like were you probably, down on Sixth Street in Austin? <laughs> no, no, this was this is a bit more more dramatic. But he uh, he single handedly kept the drum riser from falling into a stage that had dropped down, uh, you know, to like down to the second level to load up sets, which is probably like a good fifteen meters or something down and five meters up. So uh, twenty meter drop, he kept me from doing, which I appreciate. Wow. <laughs> The drum set landing on top of you would have been the punchline, you know, <laughs> if, if somebody could have recorded that. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, yeah, I just, I've had cool. a very strong connection there and I've gone, you know, back and uh, I don't know what it was about. I had no, I didn't even know I was going to Japan until two weeks before I went the first time. And uh, and why did you, you go know, the very first time? Just for that gig. Oh, I, I had a job. That, Got yeah. it. A show that I had um, worked in in Las Vegas uh, had been basically the uh, hotel there wanted a copy of it, you know, and so uh, opportunity came up and it was like a great way to save money and all that stuff. So nice, man. Uh, yeah, I got to say Japan is one of the top, top places on my list. I want to go check out. I, um, I, it's funny. I, so I studied abroad in Ecuador when I was in college and nice. uh, I had been learning Spanish, you know, practically my whole life and went there and kind of became sort of fluent by going there and had a blast. I had just had a great time up until like the last couple of weeks. And then I was just like, I'm just done. Like, I'm done. Like I'm done. Tra- like the travel bug is gone. And I was like, I just want to go back home. And I haven't really to be honest, even though like I'm fluent in Spanish, stuff like that, I haven't really wanted to do a lot of travel. And, uh, and then, and then I don't know, I just heard some really cool things about Japan and stuff. And so that's like one of the top places that in Puerto Rico, are like two, <laughs> two of the places I want to, uh, I really want to go check out. So it's an island theme. It's an island basically. theme. It is an island theme. Yeah. And you're not hurting for food. You're <laughs> fighting something. You know, this is going to be seriously. You know what I mean? I'm like, even, I'm, I'm one of the only people. You know, it's, it's like I go to Japan as an American and I come back and I've gained weight. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And they're, and they're, I mean, it's that I, I eat largely a Japanese diet when I'm here anyway. Right <laughs> no, no, I'm not. It's just the stuff is good, dude. I mean, you yeah. know, in a way, I'm like, let's. I'm not going to tell you about the good spots, but I am. Have you, you know, seen cool. the uh, the documentary Euro Dreams of Sushi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a that's a wild. That's a, such a cool documentary. Um, do, and and have you ever gone to that sushi place or anything like that? No, okay. no. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's a few people that they have, have like a wait serious... list that like a year or two year wait list or something insane yeah, like that, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if I live there, I would certainly put myself on the wait yeah. list. I mean, it would be worth, would take some it'd be worth the coordination flight. To, uh, yeah. Yeah, for a short yeah. trip out there. Yeah. Yo, peace out. I got to go to dinner in two days. You know, like, 
Um, it would be totally worth it, though. And I have to say, I mean, it's so, you know, uh, not to give a, tra- a Japan travelogue here, but uh, it's really it's worth everyone's time. If you're going to Japan and I'll I'll send you some spots. But, um, you know, getting out of Tokyo, Tokyo is awesome. But getting out of Tokyo and getting into the country, it's really, you know, uh, it's striking the quality of the food, whether it's like the the produce. I mean, the celery there is like really good. You know, I'm like, really? Wow. You know, it's, it's celery. This, why is this celery so good? Okay. I mean, um, oh yeah, I'm not kidding. Like the vegetables are just amazingly fresh. Things are grown locally generally and like shipped less distance and that whole thing. Um, still lots of family farming going on. So the beef, the, I don't care what, you know, but the, the sushi, especially in certain areas is off the chain. I mean, there's, you know, if you're way up north in uh, like say Hachinohe, I mean, there's cuts of you know, oh. fish that barely, barely get down to Tokyo and we definitely don't see them stateside, you know? So, it's like the, the uh, motherland was, is for sushi lovers, you know? It's like the, the mecca. Think, yeah. for, and, I, yeah. and I enjoy, you know, myself some sushi as well, so... Um, I'm a fan. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's a small place, but it's made up of distinct regions, you know? And I, the only thing I can equate it to is kind of the South where you've got like state, uh, like rivalries between states for barbecue or something like that. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, into the day, the states, I could fit five of them in Colorado. So it's more of a County, you know, yeah. but, uh, like it's a similar thing in, in Japan. The prefectures are not big. I mean, you know, hopping in a, in a van, like I did in, you know, shooting up north, I did some volunteer work after the tsunami um, that happened. And we drove, you know, all around in Tohoku area. Um, and in this, you know, space of one one day's hard travel, you're going to cross several prefectures. Right. So, uh, and they've all got different specialties. So it's really, yeah, it's a good, I think it's a good, good way to learn a bit about a culture, you know, the food. Uh, totally. And certainly, I mean, if you are a fan of, of, uh, of Japanese food, uh, there's nothing like it, but yeah, it's, it's a good time. And, but, but yeah, end of the day, I eat a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, uh, the documentary that, that you did, um, did you to talk a little bit about that? I know you had sent me a link to it and yeah, that's, that's, um, that was pretty, that was an awesome time. That was, uh, after I had gotten hurt, you know, doing Somp, I was sort of laid up mm-hmm. and again, doing some dev work. This is a few years on. And like I had, um, you know, done this, uh, the second surgery that I needed and I was kind of, you know, healed up enough to start making plans. Um, and I reached out to the woman who is now my wife, uh, who I had met, uh, when I was living in London and just wanted to, you know, see about getting some projects going in Japan because she's, uh, she has friends that are sort of in the performing community and arts community and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I figured what the heck. And she, um, reached out to a friend of hers who uh, was working with a small town in Shikoku, which is like an island um, right next to the main island, but uh, right by Osaka, basically. And they uh, have an artist in residence program. So they had wanted to bring me over to do um, some like stomp inspired stomp, you know, uh, derived type of uh, performance work with the people in the town and, wow. um, and that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it was, I was, you know, totally psyched. And then that was like late, you know, 2010. And then all of a sudden, uh, 2011 happens and the, 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 you know, the earthquake and tsunami happened in March and I was supposed to be going there in, I think June. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they had called just imagining I was going to probably cancel because I think most foreigners were fleeing Japan, like put in your metaphor. Um, but I was, you know, to me, it was the opposite just because of the fact that, again, I've got that connection and, you know, uh, the, that, it was just important to me to get there. So, um, I was going over to make that documentary, which was basically, uh, there's a form of dance called Awa Odori on that Island, which is awesome. They do like a week long dance festival. That's hundreds of thousands of people in the street. Again, one of these uniquely, wow. 
Um, Japanese things. Yeah, that's in Tokushima. And like, uh, another thing that people should see, the dance is awesome, extremely difficult. And, you know, these people do it for hours, you know, like <laughs> the, the group that I was working with. I mean, the postures are not something you get into naturally. So it was a lot of fun because there's not, you know, I, I sort of feel very accomplished as a dancer. And then you go around the world and you're like, okay, never mind. This is really hard and I look bad. <laughs> um, so it was, a, it was, it was a good place to start, but uh, I was there and, and we also had set up an MPO to sort of deal with maybe raising some money and, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing what we could for the, uh, for the people after the tsunami. But I had had a, a kids program in Brooklyn, um, teaching body percussion. And so we decided to adapt that and then go teach workshops to people in the resettlement, uh, areas up, uh, outside of Tohoku is kind of just like a mental health, you know, team spirit, yeah, whatever you want to call it, you know, distraction possibly because, uh, you know, that level of destruction was not something I was necessarily ready to see. Mm-hmm. I don't think I uh, considered that, you know, I was sort of running into it. I, I've, I've done volunteer stuff, but never in a disaster zone. And I don't think there's many disaster zones that have ever been that scale of just, you know, flattened. So mm-hmm. um, it was, it was, yeah, it took a toll. I, it, it definitely like I, I, that first trip I left and I was really like, ah, well, you know, it, it, it didn't hit me for, for a bit. Um, but, uh, we were able to get back and, and do several more trips up there. And, uh, it was, it was great. I mean, like one primary school actually adopted the body percussion stuff I was teaching as kind of part of their physical education curriculum, um, for the students. And uh, it hadn't occurred to me to like, you know, in Japan, there's so many festivals that involve drumming and, uh, even at baseball games, I mean, the rhythm is everywhere there. It's a drumming country, which I don't know if that's just, you know, uh, an American prejudice or what, but I just had sort of assumed that coming from Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, I would be, you know, maybe working at a slower pace in Japan. And it was the opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. they, you know, mm-hmm. they were just stone cold killers. So <laughs> it was the rhythm. I'm serious. I mean, I, you know, you get sixth graders to do things that it would have taken like in 15 minutes, it would take me, you know, two, three weeks wow. to get high school to do here. Uh, so luckily I had a lot of material in the back pocket to pull out. Let's face it, Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to MageMojo for the continued support of MageTalk. MageTalk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. 
Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com. Man, Japan, they, they punch above their weight in quite a few departments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And if it's, 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 you know, I think that the other thing, too, there is like being, being an island nation. I mean, you sort of are able to keep your traditions a bit easier, um, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously it's a pretty homogenous um, uh, population. Yeah. So, um, you know, that you've got that going for, for, uh, for, you, for you if you're in that situation. But they, you know, the, that's kind of a double edged sword, uh, which kind of gets into what I would, had told you about a bit, I think. Uh, in a letter, but uh, the they I, I think they coined this term themselves of being the technological Galapagos. You know, oh, okay, <laughs> it's seriously it's seriously that isolated, right? And so I mean, you know, they um, had a completely different cell phone standard, uh-huh. you know, prior to, and I'm not talking about like transmission. I mean, like the actual pages and things, the content delivered into it was not using the same web standard as the rest of the world or the other places that were using web standards. So, I mean, that was pretty awesome because it, you know, you've got people walking around with flip phones that can like play live television in a subway. You know what I mean? Like 10 years ago, you're just going, well done, I guess. Like what's going on back in New York, you know, (laughs) uh, at the same time, I'm glad that phones don't work in American trains for other reasons, but you get the point Uh, in any event though. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a very mature ecosystem. I mean, payments via phone, all that stuff. This is all predating smartphone over there, you know. And then when I was there in eleven, like two thousand eleven, the iPhone had been out for a bit, but Android was still like a what droid, uh-huh. you know, type of thing. It really hadn't landed, and it sort of occurred to me that yeah, this is going to be kind of a big a big you know culture shock there because of. Uh, the technolo- technological Galapagos thing. I mean, it's a, again, it's a double-edged sword. You get to delve really deeply into certain subjects, but then when something comes up that's just undeniable from the outside, like the iPhone, um, all of a sudden, you know, the fact that like every website in the country that was supposed to be selling an experience or something was built in Flash didn't work so well, mm, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, and that's uh, and and there were some again very mature solutions that had grown up for things like e-commerce or you know multimedia or um, you know whatever you want to call it, like forums, reservations, things that were already you know there and existing, and communities were built around them, um, you know, kind of on the old system. And then um, boom, here's this new thing with all this stuff coming from you know wherever it's coming from. I mean, I think to this day Yahoo is still like the number one internet powerhouse in Japan. Really. Um, yeah, which people find surprising. I mean, they also made a big investment early on in Alibaba, I think. So that's, I, I believe, where Yahoo you know, made a good an chunk investment there. in Alibaba. Yeah, oh, okay. I think like they were like pre-IPO investors. Oh, okay. uh, so that will do it. But no, I mean they're huge there, and I mean it's it's a different, a whole different set of services um, that they have. But yeah, that's that's. Uh, you know, again, it's a double-edged sword. So the stuff that they were building was just amazing. But again, now it's not. I mean, you can't export it, and you can't run it on the new phones. So um, currently, there's definitely a, a need for things to be transitioned to, you know, the uh, more regular websites. Which, yeah, it's it's been in progress. I mean, the Flash thing is the Flash thing, which is a global thing now. I think with the browsers being the way so they are. So do they still to to this date? They do a lot of stuff in Flash in Japan. I I mean I think you'd have to be a somewhat disingenuous developer to be rolling out new flash projects at this point uh, you know um, yeah. and it's and they're still I mean it's like Chrome and you know 
Edge and whatever Firefox are, are the browsers over there. So you've got to deal with those same rules. So, um, you know, no, I think there's a lot of maintenance going oh, on. Yeah. Um, you know, but some of these experiences were, I mean, again, coming from somebody who used to be sort of a flash, you know, air platform guy, I love doing like those full screen takeovers or full browser takeovers where you've got like this whole experience, but the experience also drives like a reservation engine or something. That stuff's, you know, complex. And those are the kinds of, you know, things that people are, uh, have had there, you know, and so yeah. now, um, it kind of leaves you in that same spot that I think a lot of people are in because, um, you know, it, it's that thing of like, Hey, here's a blank slate. Um, What's your best idea? You know, I mean, for me, all my ideas go poof running out the room when I can do anything I want to. Yeah. <laughs> I have to coax them, coax them back in the room. You know? yeah. um, and now, yeah, it's, it's sort of that thing of like, you know, where are people going to head with the newer, uh, with the newer generation of devices, newer generation of sites? Uh, I think we've kind of arrived at a good point and Magento is at a great point. I think it's a very exciting time to be part of the Magento ecosystem because of the whole PWA thing, uh, which I think a lot of us were doing you know, headless out of M1, um, but M2 and with the GraphQL just supports so well, uh, you know, that it, to me, that's makes it easier for places like Japan or potentially Korea, which also had, um, a lot of, you know, domestic specific, uh, sites and things going, mm-hmm. uh, that you can, you know, potentially leverage the back end and use whatever front end you want to. I mean, if you wanted to do flash, go for it. You know, at the same time, I wouldn't, but you get my point. Um, mm. And so that's, yeah, that's, I think, uh, something that is is actually a bit less mature in Japan right now is the actual e-commerce ecosystem. Right, um, right. You know, because it's not been a need that way. A lot of this, a lot of these other services were driven in the background by like a massive bank or something. You know, it wasn't the, uh, an e-commerce platform the way that we think of it with Magento. So, well, what do you mean uh, by that? Could you flesh that a little bit that the services were developed by bank? Well, I just mean like a lot of the payment services were going straight to, you know, there was no middleman. Like your website might have an applet dropped into it that like would then take these people's money and get it to your bank, for, you know, but it was something that your bank had given you basically, right? Uh, um, okay. You know, like more of a, I mean, because you can, and also that's not even paying online is not necessarily necessary. You know, and this is this is with Amazon as well. Like I had the experience of ordering some stuff on Amazon, which I had delivered to a family mart, which is like a Seven Eleven, uh-huh. you know, a Kabini. Um, and that's a trip because they have like the whole uh, delivery thing there. But you can also pay there. You know, okay. and you can pay like most of your bills. You can pay. I, I don't know if that's the case as much as it used to be, and it's kind of getting away from that. Uh-huh. Um, but you can walk into a convenience store and pay like your power bill. You know, right, or your right, whatever right. utilities and stuff like that. So, um, that's there's been those direct pipelines, uh, you know, for different payments. Yeah, for a while. So, you, when was what year was this? You order something on Amazon and have it had it delivered to a grocery store, Family Mart. This was this was uh, this past June, oh, okay. July, something like that. And so you so. didn't. So you pay. So so what was the payment method on on Amazon in in Japan? Well, now you can do, you've got all the options. I mean, you could use a credit card. Uh, so just a regular do, Amazon checkout. But you're just saying you yeah, have you it delivered it. to the family mart. Or you can go there and pay there. You know, I mean, that's uh, the thing. Like, especially with so, Rakuten, you can put, put in an order. It says, cool, here's your order. You select, I'll pay at the convenience store as your payment method. I'm imagining they probably don't, you know, release the goods until you've done that. But then you can walk down to your corner, you know, store with a huge wad of cash and hand it to that's them. That's wild. And you said that's yeah, you said that's through Amazon or through that's through pretty much anybody. I mean, it's one of the most. It's a that that payment how, option dwarfs any of the other. So how does that stuff. even work? Like when you go to Amazon dot 
JP or whatever? Does it just give you another payment option when you check out where you don't have to use a credit card? You just, it's essentially just cash on delivery kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like, you know, how we have the different payment options in Magento. Yeah, uh, it's, like from t- it's like from 10 years ago, you do like cash on delivery and it's like... Totally. Yeah, only this is cash pre, pre-product pre sent, whatever you want to call that. But yeah, it's, wow. yeah I think the, the, That's interesting. the thing is like that you've got the national infrastructure for that type of stuff, you know? Uh, I mean, and that's, that's the crazy thing, right? Because I mean, yeah, I can do cash prepayment all day long, but I don't have some guy in your town you can hand a check to that I'm going to trust to vouch for it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas, yeah. you know, they've got that whole thing. So it's really cool because, um, you know, again, I, not that, uh, I think in the interim, like sort of, you know, credit cards coming on, Japan is a very cash uh, first society. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's again, changing, but, um, you know, like there's a lot of businesses that just straight up don't take credit cards. Right. Um, and, and fair enough. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of a bummer when you're, Rocking an, uh, a foreign ATM card that's that's somewhat changed now because it used to be difficult to find places that would actually even give you money. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but now it's it's getting easier. At the same time, like there was that sort of interim thing of like before massive credit card acceptance for those types of purchases, maybe not being sure about the security of online purchasing with actual financial stuff, whatever whatever the case was. Yeah, that that's kind of a strange plugin that's been available for e-commerce over there. You know, of like yeah, we could just go pay it. So crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, and, and so um, has, have you actually worked on like implementations of e-commerce builds for Japanese clients, or talked to, uh, you know, like done any discovery on those types of projects, or have you mo- most of your sort of interface with the e-commerce scene has just been as like a consumer? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, you know, people. Um sort of know what I do. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, these are, you know, generally connections that I've made in other areas, mm-hmm. either, you know, when I was working as a performer or doing the volunteer thing or whatever the case is. But, um, you know, at, when I was at a, do, to do that documentary, that's when I started, started sort of pointing out to friends of mine that had sites or that were, you know, developers or whatever the case was. I'm like, bro, this is, you know, Android's coming and this whole thing and it's going to, you know, it's going to blow up. And, and um, so there's been a lot of discussion. You know, but with some friends of mine, because I inadvertently, like, I met a bunch of developers that helped. They volunteered to help with the volunteer project that mm-hmm. we did, uh, and it's—I guess—it's a nice thing because you need a website and all that right. stuff, localization that I wasn't capable of doing. But so, yeah, I keep up with the community a bit over there, just a general dev community. Um, you know, and I've also talked to people from more of a business owner perspective. Um, there's a couple of projects at the moment that I'm uh, not at liberty to discuss necessarily, but those have um, gone beyond the scoping point to more like the logistics point of, uh, of trying to just, you know, make sure that we've got all the I's and T's dotted across. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to deploying some stuff fairly soon. I I'm hoping, um, let's see what's what. And Born has an office in Japan too, which I was like, like, I know people. (laughs) Very cool. And so with the developer community out there, uh, and developers you've talked to, do you know any of the, like Magento developers out there, um, or just you know, or you just talk to other different types of developers. Not you know, I uh, I met some of the people from Verite Works actually at nice. Imagine the first time I yeah. was there, um, and yeah, I think I sort of you know I, I was like super excited. One, to that's myself. like the main solutions partner uh, out in Japan, or I think possibly the only solution Magento solutions partner. 
Okay. I think it is. I I think as far as like that level of hookup with the Magento mothership, I believe yeah. so. Um, and into the day, like the contribution, it's funny because I was over there. Um, again, can't get too into details, but I wanted to demonstrate to someone, a, a, you know, just like, look, this is what comes with Magento fresh out of the box. Absolutely nothing done. Like give me a Magento with sample mm -hmm. data. You know what I mean? Um, but I wanted to localize it and obviously I didn't want to sit there and type the stuff in. And so I knew that they had made libraries before and I went to get those, you know, update those packages or whatever. They weren't really working, which what I didn't realize is they baked all that stuff, you know, into into the core now, um, like the vast majority of it is is now something that you can get from Magento. Um, so that's pretty awesome because Japan, again, and even their their uh, modules before, it's it just seems like a strange set of features, but they're necessary when you get the things like postcodes that are totally different, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or um, the order of someone's name, um, you know, like all these things that are uh, easy to overlook if you don't, you know, exist in that alphabet. Right. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they did a great job on that. So it was awesome because I reached out and I'm like, yeah, I can't get this thing to work. Like, yeah, we actually have it baked in now. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well done. Thank you for that. And good talking to you. And nice. <laughs> continued success in the future. But yeah, no, it was, it was, they've really contributed some great stuff. And I think, um, you know, they're, I believe they're hosting meetings and stuff like that as well. And I think, you know, one of the big issues with dev stuff and dev acceptance in Japan is the lack of documentation that's in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And it is, to me, it just seems like a lame reason to, um, you know, I mean, if you're totally self-taught, which again, I said, like I am, I mean, I'm a self-taught guy and I sort of take for granted what I can get off the internet for free. Um, even if it is eventually for free, most companies don't drop documentation for their new stuff, you know, on day zero in a bunch of languages. Oh, you know, yeah. It's generally yeah. a, an English type thing. And, you know, for people who were English, their second language is devs. And some of these are my friends. It's like, you know, respect because, you know, uh, developer English is not exactly, uh, you know. Easy to understand. Easy. Yeah, if it's your second <laughs> language. Yeah, I always wonder for people that, you know, work in different languages, particularly very different languages with different alphabets, you know, how when they're writing code, you know, in a, Roman, you know, in a, um, you know, in, in English, Roman yeah, alphabet, Roman alphabet yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I always wonder like how, how that even works, you know? <laughs> and, it, it's yeah. I, I have barely scratched the surface with trying to type in Japanese and it's funny because like the stuff I have done has been like phonetical, but coming from it's spelled in Roman you know, letters because it's on an English keyboard, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's it's weird. I mean, it sort of throws my head into a bit of a loop because it's like I'm phonetically saying this using the Roman alphabet, but it's going to show up on the page in Hiragana. Okay. You know, and it works. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think it's, you know, what you're saying. If you're a developer, you're a person who exists, you know, typing all day over there, uh, it does seem like a bit of an extra layer, yeah. you know, especially in development because I you can't code in kanji, you know? Right, so. right. And of course, uh, Hirokazu Nishi is the... Uh, CTO at uh, Verite Works, uh, the solutions partner yeah. you just mentioned. And he's a Magento master, organizes Meet Magento Japan, Magento Meetup Tokyo. Um, so he's he's the man, and we should we should probably get him on the podcast at some point to dive into. He's a good guy. I met him in um, in at, at Imagine eighteen as well, and um, you know, nice guy. I mean, I'm sure sort of overwhelmed with the master experience and the whole thing, but at the same time. Um, their whole team that I got a chance to talk to was cool. That's so. great. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the Asian market, I think represents a huge opportunity. Um, uh, you know, there's obviously, a, uh, you know, you've got, you've got India, you've got China, Japan, and, and, um, 
uh, all of those obviously their own separate massive markets. Um, there was that Chinese investment firm, uh, Hill House, that invested like 250 million um, into Magento, you know, pre Adobe acquisition. And so you know, that, right. was, that was uh, that was interesting to watch as well. I think that it seems like there's just a huge opportunity generally, um, you know, uh, all across. I, oh yeah, I mean. It's it's one of those things. I think if you're in the industry, you can sort of feel like everybody you know is doing. Everybody knows about it, right? Or everyone's using it, or something. You know, what I mean, that's if that's all you do all yeah. day, then you sort of assume that the world knows what e- e-commerce and Magento yeah. is. And but at the same time, it's it's similar to what I was saying with like the different you know different ways to pay or just different you know systems that have grown up in the countries. I mean, you can't just take an American e-commerce site and drop it on country X and call it mm-hmm. done. I mean, you know, aside from the localization and the language and all that stuff, like, do they even care? You know what I mean? Do people want any, a store online to go buy things? Yeah. Or is it um, a thing where you can maybe come in and augment something people have been doing? Yeah. You know, like in Japan, uh, mail order is massive. And like food gifting, um, you know, at certain times of year uh, mm. is a huge thing. And people are quite used to getting these beautiful catalogs, uh, you know, again, that just show up. And I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. Let's go. Yeah. You, know, but you can order all this you know, either special fruit or, you know, different dishes or send somebody a really nice, you know, case of beer that's, you know, a special thing for the year. And, for, you know, it's, but it, people are used to doing it through, through the page, you know, and again, go pay at the convenience store if you want to. So bringing that experience online, um, you know, is I think more valuable than trying to come up with like a, Hey, here's my, um, you know, foodgiftstore.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so sometimes that doesn't involve the full full solution to me. I think uh, that again, Magento Two, very exciting time to be in it right now. But PWAs are really going to be the dawn for um, a lot of a lot of Asia because a lot of the, a lot of you know countries as you get past like Korea and you get into countries that um, you know aren't as wealthy, uh, the mobile penetration is massive. Mm-hmm. But the actual infrastructure that supports it is not necessarily so mm-hmm. good, you know. So things like massive bandwidth sucking sites yeah. aren't going to win you any friends. But if you can deliver a simple purchase page for somebody, maybe they're standing at a location and they need, they need to make a payment using you know an online payment service that exists in that country. That's a one page solution with uh, Magento too, you know, serving as a very small tip of of a spear with the M two as a back yeah. end. You know, that's, that's, that's tiny. So, I mean, to me, um, that's where it's really exciting because, uh, solutions like that, you know, it's, it's always been piecemeal. And I think that's, you know, kind of a common theme, theme in, in development now for the web is like, let me get 80 libraries, string them together and, you know, call that a program I wrote, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think with, you know, with Magento, it gives you the opportunity to, you know, have huge solutions. I mean, you know, whatever you want, a hundred thousand products in your catalog, fine. Let's, you know, or uh, you know, maybe something that has a hundred thousand products but doesn't even have a, a front end site. Maybe it just, you know, is a QR code that you scan somewhere, mm. uh, you know, to again take care They're of. They're also utility real big in the QR is. codes in in Japan, right? In Asia, generally. Yeah, I think the QR. Yeah, the QR codes are. I still I still see them more in yeah. Japan. Um, there's other stuff. I mean, there's things like um, you know mobile phone codes, uh, and that's something that's also like was big in in London when I was there. Was like the you know type blah blah blah. I mean, like generally a four number code on your mobile to have it do mm-hmm. something. Um, you know, and and those types of uh, things like in Korea and Japan are both. Um, pretty common, you know, where you'll type in something and then that'll trigger a request for information mm-hmm. or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. Um, but yeah, that's in general, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, 
the QR codes are big. The online stuff, as far as like finding, um, you know, getting back to sites and things like that, or just like sharing links. Uh, generally, you still see things in a long form, you know, even on something printed. So, um, you know, it, it makes it both. And again, though, a lot of people in Japan or Korea, especially, are navigating after coming to, you know, like arriving at a portal. Similar to like a lot of people here do with Facebook is like the first thing they go to or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not me, but you, so, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, are finding things that way too. Um, and that's uh, the message board thing in Korea, uh, at least last time I was there, was kind of huge, especially around like fashion and things like that. So, so you're saying, are you saying that people are making a lot of purchases from social media? Like they see a product and then they click through to purchase from so from from Facebook or a forum or or you're talking about something different? No, that as well. I'm mean, yeah. I think that just like as far as um you know the like the interplay between real world and digital mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. you know, um with like the QR codes things mm-hmm. like that, um and also just the way that people uh, can use their mobiles for different things in those areas. I think it it leads to more opportunity because uh, again, paying with your mobile, like swiping it on something, is like so old hat in Japan. It's not even funny, mm. you know. Um, and that's like very accepted. So uh, again, combination of QR codes and things like that, and you know, however you want to interact with things uh, in person, that's where. Um, I think, you know, these smaller solutions really kind of fill a, a need that's there because not everybody, in a, especially in a place with an aging population, can make it out to go physically pick this stuff up or buy it or whatever the case mm. is anymore. And, and some of these things have never really existed on e-commerce sites. So um, I think, you know, we'll see more, more of that kind of stuff. But I guess the bigger idea is just that, like, it's, you know, it's cool to me that there's different use cases for Magento because, again, I didn't really realize that my thinking was sort of constrained to the world I mm-hmm. live in, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but but it is, um, you know, because just seeing some of the uses uh, for like using your mobile as a train ticket and all that, which I think everybody's heard of and is, they're probably doing it in Europe or whatever now, but at the same time, um, you know, different different things that are tying into that back end or tying into the front end or, you know, maybe not a Magento solution and not, not something mm-hmm. I would do, but, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a lot of like things where you're, you know, kind of jumping past just selling a product and doing services that make people's, you know, errands or whatever it is a bit easier. Gotcha. Uh, and that's huge. I think. Do they, so, um, are they pretty big on like grocery delivery and stuff out there? I know that's something that's obviously picking up steam everywhere. I mean, I've started to use, we've started to use that a lot and whatnot, but are, do they have a pretty high penetration of grocery delivery type services? You know, the indigenous ones are the only thing I've seen. I've never seen anybody get a delivery from uh, like, you know, Whole Foods or something. Although I think uh, Amazon is bringing their mm-hmm. um, food ordering thing to Tokyo, and also Tokyo is same day delivery, yeah. which is like, <laughs> which is sort of fun. Like, give me, I'll take that keyboard in a few hours. But there, there's a there's a ton of uh, of grocery delivery. It's just I think mainly using the legacy companies that have been doing it through the mail order and things like that um, that I was discussing. So uh, more kind of special occasion or special ingredient or something from oh, a different okay. region. The you gift know? thing you, you were describing sounded – the food gifting sounded really interesting. I, I'm not too familiar with that. Is that like a is that like a, a special occasion or a seasonal thing where it's common to, to give gifts to people and you, and you get a catalog and kind of pick some different – some like you're saying, some special fruit or some special kind of food to give somebody as a gift? Yeah, That's totally. Awesome. Um, seasonally, especially, um, you know, and, and, and then like, you know, just if it's like summer, you know, 
food gift time or whatever the case is, ideally you're going to send something from your own region, you know? So my wife is, is from Chiba. And when we were uh, over there, I mean, her, like the local grocery store, Chiba has like different plums and things like that they grow. And those will be what you can kind of pick up and, and send That's out. So, so cool. it's pretty cool because it's, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's actually, there's a few services that will let you, you know, um, they've been kind of set up to where you could easily do it from the States for people in Japan as well. Getting the stuff yeah. shipped here, probably not so easy. But if you wanted to give somebody in Japan, you know, <laughs> uh, and so problem. that's just a custom that pretty much like almost everybody does out there. They break out the catalog and they just send send food to each other. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I mean that's simpl- simplifying it somewhat, but yeah, no, it really is. And um, and again, I mean, there's certain produce like uh, you know, I love I love the Japanese like the grocery stores are awesome. I mean, the fish section there is bigger than like every fi- you know fish section at any market is bigger than every fish section in Denver right. put together. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly landlocked here. I get it, but yeah. you, know, you just go man. And Costco there too. You're sort of like, well, this is just like American Costco to you around the corner to the fish section. You go, oh, oh do they okay. have Costco yeah, take- out there? Uh, yeah, that's, and that's, it's awesome. I, mean, I went like sort of really psyched to go see a bunch of Japanese stuff in affordable, <laughs> you know, prices, large quantities. And I walked in and it was literally the exact same entry experience that I had at the Costco up the street from my house, you know? That's so I was awesome. like, yeah, this is a bit of a bummer. But as you made your way through, all of a sudden you do come to where we would have our huge beef section. They've got beef, but then there's like this wicked sushi section, yeah. as you do. And, <laughs> uh, and then coming back out of that, a lot of Japanese packaged foods that had I had a few extra days, I probably would have made a, a container of and shipped home on a boat. <laughs> Nice. Do they do they have the like pizza, the like Costco pizza over there? I did not notice. I didn't yeah, think about I can't that. To be honest, ha- I was blinded by the sushi. Yeah, no, I can't imagine them having that. That'd be funny, but man, Costco pizza is so good. Um, <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Well, uh, well, cool, man. This is a lot of fun to to learn about some of the different things you've been up to. You've you've uh, been on some really interesting adventures in your life, and it's um, I love learning. You know, we've all come to the Magento community from different paths and stuff like that. And like you said, you're self taught, and I love uh, connecting people and learning about you know, all the different diversity of how, you know, people's backgrounds and whatnot. So, um, so thanks for, for popping on to, to chat about it. Was there anything else that we wanted to, to talk about before we wrap up? Uh, you know, I think just, I want to mention, um, you know, I kind of said that I mentioned there were a few things I couldn't discuss and that's something that I've got a bit of a work in progress and it's not my work in progress at all. I'm sort of maybe somebody who will be able to mention this soon, but ideally, um, yeah, I'll be back at some point or I'll, you know, give you a, a quick message to uh, announce a project that is going to be happening in Japan. Um, that's sort of something, uh, again, not my project, uh, but, you know, watch this space, I guess is okay. what I'm saying. So. Perfect. That sounds great. Yeah, we definitely will share that out once you're able to uh, share more details uh, on it. Um, so yeah, thanks again, uh, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, please uh, go go give us a five star and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. 